the hidden costs impacting commodity prices, why the US Inflation Reduction Act will benefit Australian junior explorers, and the true metals all investors should put on their radar. Welcome to Cocktails and Commodities. I'm Shay Russell, and today we are recording live from the Minds and Money Connect Melbourne conference. My special guest this week is John Forward, Chief Investment Officer of Lowell Resources Fund. He's a 30-year mining veteran who first cut his teeth in the industry as a geologist and then turned to the dark side of mining investment. John, how are you today? Very well, thanks, Shay. Great, great to be here and um, really good buzz at the conference. Yeah, it's been a fantastic conference, actually. I've uh, called it the, the post-COVID corporate casual. yeah look there's a few guys wandering around in suits but most people are you know corporate casual as you say corporate casual it's the new world that we're all in all right now you and i were on a gold panel yesterday uh and we realized that 40 minutes was not enough to talk about uh, all of the ideas we had now first of all uh, i want to get down to uh, some of the granular details that we didn't get to explore yesterday now uh you with your significant experience in uh mining and you're a geologist uh, and investment You've seen a downturn or two in your time. Uh, tell me, what do you think are the three key things affecting the market right now? And what we're going to do is we're going to go through them one by one. Mm. Okay, look, I think um, the three big factors that sort of top of top of mind for me at the moment, one is is China. And that's, that's nothing new, obviously. You know, China is the user of um, over 50% of many of the world's, world's commodities. The other one and in a big sort of grab basket and there's a lot of granularity within it is the environment and that's that's really driving a lot of um uh things in the mining and uh, energy energy sector in particular um which uh, you know can be broken down into you know a number of uh, sub factors and then the third one is really the u.s economy i guess is is the big one and and in particular, um, interest rates and which way the Fed is going to jump jump next. And last last night they decided to skip, not jump. Uh, so um, yeah, we can have a chat about that. Yeah, look, they've made it very clear it's a skip, not a pause. Mm. Uh, they're doing everything they can to co- communicate it to the market. All right, so let's start drilling into the the details here. Now I'm going to skip ahead and talk about the environmental factors because this isn't you know we say environment and we're thinking. There's many elements to it or many components and moving parts. Let's break this down uh, about how the current environment is impacting the uh, commodities and resources sector. Mm. Look, I think, um, you know, just within the environment, quote unquote, there is a big theme of of decarbonisation. And that is driving all sorts of things from, you know, the Inflation Inflation Reduction Act in, in the US to um, underinvestment by um, traditional oil and gas fossil fossil fuel companies. So, and it's also driving um, interest in pockets of the mining market sector. Uh, in particular, we're seeing you know probably one of the few bright spots at the moment in the mining sector is um, is lithium and and uh, and rare earths, and obviously. Lithium goes into batteries, which go into electric vehicles, which um, you know um, hopefully will help to um, alleviate the um, you know, carbon emissions. So, so um, we're seeing we're seeing some positivity driven by that. We're also seeing money coming out of you know Inflation Reduction Act, but we're also seeing money you know here in Australia, you know from from state governments, federal governments, 
Um, we're seeing philanthropy. We're seeing Andrew Forrest throwing, you know, your billions at um, at hydrogen and um, getting into a bit of a uh, uh, verbal spat with um, Elon Musk, which is uh, fun, fun, to, fun to read about. Um, but uh, yeah, um, so look, there's a number of commodities which are which are benefiting from you know the environment environment theme. I think uh, lithium in in particular. Graphite is something that has to go into pretty much much every battery, um, uh, and and copper is is one that like is on everybody's lips from from BHP down to almost the smallest explorer. Everyone would like to have more copper, so there, there's that factor. And then I think um, we're seeing in, in the environment uh, space, if you like, we're seeing um, uh, permitting issues growing. And we can talk about Australia. We can also talk about you know, the US. Um, but you know, in in Australia, we've seen um, uh, you know growing regulation and, and increasing hurdles to not just getting mines permitted, but just getting a drill rig you know a, a, a drill rig done. And here at the conference, a number of people have said to me, "Well, uh, yeah, we've got a drilling program planned, but um, we're just going to drill along roads." We're not going to go into any farmers' paddocks. That's too hard. We're not going to go in, into any, you know, plantations or you know, forest reserves or anything. Just going to drill long roads. Not ideal. Not exactly where they'd want to drill. But when you're talking about getting, you know, huge amounts of time and possibly money to um, get permitted um, for a small drill program, it's just easier to go along roads and almost no no permitting required in, in many situations. Oh, you give, this is conflicting now because I had, I had one follow-up question, but now I actually have two. I'm going to go back to my original one, then we're coming back to permitting. Um, you, you mentioned energy before, the underinvestment in energy. Now, no energy transition throughout history has been linear and they take centuries and mm. we're trying to shove one along in decades. Uh, tell me, how do you see this decarbonisation trend uh, impacting markets right now? Like, is it increasing costs for explorers and miners? And uh, this is probably a bit of a loaded question. Do you do you see it actually happening? So, do, you, do I see the um, the de- uh, like the, 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 the actual the actual shift away from oil happening in the in the timeframes put forward by the twenty fifty targets? That was a really poorly worded question. I'll uh, give look, you that. Uh, look, um, no, and I think um, you know. Uh, you, no, it wasn't poorly. I really like your um, analogy or your, your scenario setting in terms of we're trying to do something that takes hundreds of years in, in decades. And um, look, it's definitely happening that um, renewables are supplying more power. You know, uh, unquestionable. But the world is inexorably needing more and more power as we as as we you know, as we go along. So so um, the actual percentage that renewables is supplying is not of the global power demand is not growing as much as we we want it to because and and the rest is being filled by fossil fuels so fossil fuels demand is growing renewables demand is growing because overall power demand is growing so so look it's renewables are definitely um joining the market but they're not um doing the replacing job as quickly as um everyone hopes Now, we're going to flip it forward to the Inflations Reduction Act. Now, unfortunately, on the panel, uh, I know you and I did want to get into this subject and we couldn't, we were running out of minutes and we had a lot of questions to get through. So, uh, for context for everybody listening, part of the Inflation Reduction Act, there's uh, there's over $370 US billion being dedicated to encouraging people, uh, encouraging miners to get minerals locally or from friends or encourage uh, increase manufacturing locally. Uh, Now, the Green Deal, I believe they're planning on spending over a trillion 
uh, euros over in Europe. Like this is an enormous wall of money coming through. However, just throwing money at the problem, in particular when it comes into the US, doesn't mean it's actually going to happen. Uh, you mentioned permitting before. Mm. Um, you know, the part of the Inflation Reduction Act is they want all of these things to happen within five years. I hear it's not easy to get a new mine approved in the US. Look, 100%. Um, uh, we've got a couple of investments at the, you know, in the Lower Resources Trust, a couple of investments um, with projects in the US. Um, you know, they're either Canadian listed companies or Australian listed companies, but they've got projects in the US. But we're very, very careful about what sort of license they hold. So um, one, uh, which is a nickel project in Minnesota, they're actually um, got, um, uh, I think it's 114 million US dollars of US government grants. It's actually, I think it's defense, um, defense money, but for um, you know, um, reshoring mineral supply for nickel. Um, but there in Minnesota, what they've decided to do because of the permitting hurdle there, they've decided to put the um, put their ore, just mine it from underground, no open cut, put it straight on a train, and ship it to North Dakota, oh. which is an easier place to permit. It's an old, it's an old industrial site. Um, but look, that's um, that's hundreds of, hundreds of kilometres. Normally, you would want to process your right at the, at the you know the mine mine portal um but uh because of these situations in the u.s where permitting is so difficult they're uh, they're railing at hundreds of kilometers to somewhere easy and and there's other projects that are talking about moving all across state borders just because you know for example oregon might be very hard to permit but um, nevada might be a lot easier for example um so what the ideal situation in the u.s is to have a patented mining claim which is the absolute best from a, from a mining point of view. It's, it's like having a mining license and freehold land all in one, to put it in the Australian context. You can basically go and mine tomorrow. So um, one company which um, is in uh, South Dakota, um, Iris Metals, they've got um, a beautiful lithium deposit on pattern mining claims. So the geologist actually lives on the claim, sits on top of the deposit, and uh, they can literally go and start mining that project tomorrow. So that, that's what we look for in the US. It's very rare, um, and a lot of projects in the US don't have that have that um, best form of license, and it, it can and will take many, many years for those projects to get permitted if they're not with a pattern mining claim. For example, the Resolution Copper Project in Arizona, which is enormous, that's been in permitting for 20 years, and it's nowhere near, nowhere near the end. So, and Arizona is a mining state. So, yeah, look, you've got to be very careful. And and I think that money in the U.S. it's good for Australia, right? <laughs> so, so some of that money, I mean, we don't know what the discussions were between Biden and Albanese um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, that uh, talked about they made come came up with a, I think it was called a compact or something. But, and the details are very, very vague, but I think what may happen is that some of that Inflation um, Reduction Act uh, money may end up coming to projects in Australia because it just can't get deployed quickly enough in the US. Um, so we didn't record today's podcast with video, but we probably should have because my jaw dropped when you mentioned that it's taking 20 years in a mining state to get a copper uh, copper mine online. Um, I guess that really puts Australia and other commodity-based countries like Canada 
they're, they're probably more they're poised to benefit from this Inflation Reduction Act more than um, US mines are going to. Uh, just briefly for investors who do want to understand the process a little bit better, uh, are Australia and Canada a little bit more streamlined in the licensing process and does it take as long in the permitting process? I think uh, generally speaking. The short answer is yes. Um, obviously, you know, Australia, there's a different mining act in every, every state and territory. Um, so it's, it's, there's differences. And, and certainly there are, you know, for example, as, a, as um, in reaction to the Duke and Gorge um, scandal, if you can call it that, um, there's new heritage requirements coming in in Western Australia from the 1st of July this year. And people are very worried that that could have the same effect as when native title came in post the Nabo decision um, in the late late 80s and, and really lock things up for a while until everyone understands what's, how that's going to work. So, um, look, there are, I think, you know, in, in big, big sense, quicker to permit a mine in Australia and Canada than the US, but um, there's more and more hurdles getting put in place and that's you know, just um, only natural is that people are more worried about environment and cultural heritage. Uh, now, moving forward, we touched a, bit, a little bit on this on our gold panel yesterday, and this was uh, the persistent problem that is inflation. Now, inflation is proving to be sticky both here in the in the US and here, and as you noted before, the Fed has uh, decided to skip interest rates overnight. Uh, but with you know an underinvestment in energy and high inflation, how is this driving up uh, commodity prices right now? Oh, look, that's a. That's well, how a, is it impacting commodity prices? Because not everything's going up. That's a big. That's a big question. I think um, uh, right now, you know, I think um, you know, gold, for example, is being um, is being you know it hit all time highs at the start of May. Um, we're now sort of hundred odd dollars off those all time highs you know, in, in mid June. Um, that that is uh, a direct, in my view, a big big result. Or big factor in that is interest rates and, and where the market sees interest rates going and, and what Jerome Powell is, is telling the market. Um, and, and stepping back from that, it, a big factor is inflation. You know, they're only putting up interest rates because they want to fight, fight inflation. So um, inflation is having a direct impact on gold in a, in a sort of putting downward pressure on it at the moment. Um, and I think, but, but perhaps in you know, other commodities, you know, we're seeing inflation um, in the production costs of all commodities. So in energy costs are, um, are, are up, labor costs are up, um, you know, steel costs are up, reaction costs are up. Um, I'm talking over a couple of years. Um, so that is driving up the um, production costs of, of many commodities. And um, you know, uh, either projects are um, uh, getting put on hold We've seen quite a few feasibility, you know, companies with feasibility studies decide, are we going to just take another 12 months and redo the feasibility study? Are we going to do an optimised feasibility study? I think the real reason for that is, A, they don't trust their own numbers because inflation is running and they don't know whether their feasibility study costs that, you know, put in place in the last three months are going to still be there when they actually go and buy whatever they need to buy. Um, or... or, or um, they don't have the, they can't access the capital to um, build their build their mines, um, and part of that is because you know that, that's a that's a market thing that um, uh, you know markets are depressed in general, apart from perhaps lithium and rare earths. So um, they can't access equity 
to provide the equity component of the project finance. Uh, now, finally, let's uh, round this out with a general view over commodities. Now, obviously, as you've mentioned, that lithium and rare earths were hot. Uh, but, you know, uh, I've, I've been around a couple of times. You know, the, these things go in swings and roundabouts. Uh, I remember when rare, rare earths were hot 10 years ago, the first time around. Uh, tell me from an investment point of view, because I do know your company likes to take stakes in junior miners in the very early stage. What sort of commodities have you got your eyes on? Because obviously you're not part of micro trends. You're looking at big picture, long-term investments. Mm. Look, I think, um, look, you know, probably can't name them all at the Please moment. Don't. But, uh, Please don't. Please <laughs> don't. That'll uh, cause some, me some legal problems. Some interesting ones that we're um, trying to grow our um, exposure to. I think graphite I mentioned, um, that goes into pretty much all uh, chemistries of, of lithium batteries and, and needs 50%. That's uh, you know that takes a that's a long lead time to qualify a, a new graphite mine product for battery battery grade. It, it's generally years. So even if you find a new uh, graphite deposit today, you're going to be at least three years before a um, an off a battery off taker will say, yeah, that's that's good enough quality to go into my my battery. Um, so I think graphite price and that's graphite price has been trending up fairly steadily over the last couple of years. Um, uh, lithium, we've mentioned. We've mentioned copper. Everybody wants more copper, and, and, and with the electrification of everything, I think we were just talking about your your new electric um, digital notebook that that needs you know got copper in it. Yep. The old the old paper notebooks thing of the past. <laughs> well, I'm still on there. Um, uh, and then um, there's some actually some pretty interesting uh, forecasts about platinum. You know, it's mm. pretty niche, pretty niche um, uh, metal, but. Um, you know, demand out of um, industrial demand for things like glass making requires platinum, and the you know one the big big producer in South Africa, they're having a lot of problems with their power supply for, for their mines. Escom um, is you know um, a bit of a bit of a basket case, unfortunately. Uh, so actually, platinum supply is forecast to drop by one percent this uh, sorry yeah one percent this year, and demand is actually forecast to increase by over twenty percent. So. Platinum, platinum, it looks um, looks pretty interesting. So that's just a handful of um, handful of commodities that um, we're looking at at the moment. That's really exciting. Look, aside from copper and I will, you know, I've been carrying the copper flag for four years now. Uh, platinum and graphite are not two commodities that I've heard talked about recently. And I always love it when we can uh, give people a little bit of an edge and put them ahead of the curve. Mm. Uh, listen, John, this has been a fantastic on-the-fly chat at Mines and Money Connect in Melbourne. However, now granted it is 20, uh, 10, 21 a.m., on a Thursday, so we probably shouldn't have a drink right now. But this podcast is called Cocktails and Commodities. So if we were doing this at a more suitable hour, what cocktail would I be buying you? Uh, look, well, I think you know probably because we're combining a morning chat with uh, with cocktails. You know, maybe uh, um, you know one of those uh, of, um, uh, martini, you know, sort of espresso martinis. How about that? That sounds like a breakfast cocktail, actually. Does, exactly. You know, you can put it right up next to the mimosas. So we can go and ask the coffee, coffee machine people if they could do one for us. Well, there's a few bleary-eyed people around this morning. They might need them. Listen, John, this has been fantastic. Thanks for being here, and I really hope you come back as a guest. Thanks for having me, Shay. Great to chat. That's all for today's episode of Cocktail and Commodities. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an update on what rocks are making news, which commodities are moving markets and the companies trying to get it out of the ground.